Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Monday morning. We are back at it for another week, baby. We're going to start you off. We've got a uh, 6 a.m. hour. we get got a variety of stuff to get to. Um, little little college football for you. little basketball for you. Uh, we're going to start off with a little basketball, but really more a little uh, coronavirus update. You know Ryan Smith uh, from Qualtrics. He does the Five for the Fight, leads the Five for the Fight campaign. Uh, you see the ads during jazz games and that, so you've seen him. And now he's got a, uh, a new concept here, TestUtah.com. And this initiative led by the folks at Silicon Slopes all coming together is, what, 50-ish major tech companies? I guess with startups, it's hard to count but 50-ish major, and then you can probably expand it out to 100 or 150. Maybe more than that, I don't know. But certainly 50-ish major companies. And so a lot of the major players pulling together to figure out what they can do to help. Ryan Smith talking with PK and I right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Ryan, good morning. Hey, what's up, guys? How are we holding up? Oh, we're doing all right. People think we're going to run out of things to talk about, but PK and I, I we can talk forever. We're not running out of things. I doubt it. You've been doing this too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so testutah.com. What is it? How did it happen? How did you partner up with the other folks you're working with on this? Uh, Take us back to the very beginning and walk us through it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so first, thanks for having me on. I, uh, my, my heart and thoughts go out to everyone. My goodness, this is, uh, this is about as challenging as, as anything I've experienced as, as I look out over our employee base and how many people are affected, how many people will be infected. Um, if if I look at what's going on in Utah, so first of all, um, you know, we just have a phenomenal community here. Um, you know, when Silicon Slope started a couple years back, it was just kind of a, a nonprofit where people could come together and contribute ideas and and, and just try to help. Um, so, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Silicon Slopes, Clint Betts, the director's done an amazing job at pulling everyone together. We've had Senator Romney, the governor, lieutenant governor on. And just trying to figure out where people could help. And it became very obvious that we needed to help with testing. And um, there's a lot of parts of testing. But and if you look out in Seattle, if you look in San Francisco, if you look in what just happened in Boston, if you look in New York, you look all over the world, these supply chains are breaking down. And what Utah was able to do was get a bunch of people together who could basically open source or make the supply chain open from the time you take an assessment to the time you're treated and basically be able to build the ability to pop up testing centers all over. And, um, you know, we started with two. And that's at Southtown or uh, Provo Town Center Mall as well as Tempanogos Hospital. And, you know, we've got about 500 people that have the capacity to be tested every day. And it's going phenomenally well to start. It's just the start. But the idea is if Utah can test, you know, six, 7,000 people a day, plus take an assessment where we can track or try to track if there's outbreaks or if there's areas where we can concentrate. And, and more than that, get ahead of what's happening in every other state. Um, We're starting to see it in Utah where there's not enough swabs, where there's not enough gear. I mean, you're watching New York where they're handing, you know, medical first responders a New York Yankees poncho so that they're safe. Like this, this is what's coming in every other city and state. And so we have a chance to get ahead of it. 
Um, you know, we've got phenomenal folks who have been buying and getting ahead of buying a bunch of gear and bringing it in. I don't know how many people saw um, Robert Kraft and what happened yesterday where the um, the Patriots plane came back with millions of masks for Boston and you've got the governor crying there. We don't want to get in that situation. And so the private community has stepped up to help. There's no one's getting paid. Everyone's doing this. And, you know, Mark Newman at Know Me Health, Dave Elkington, who ran Inside Sales, these are just heroes in our community stepping up for free and saying, hey, we think we can help so there's not a single point of failure. And if we can get tested, then we can probably look a little bit more like South Korea where we can trace who's got it, who needs to be quarantined, the folks that are asymptomatic, and you know, try to understand the pockets because, you know, with 1,500 be- people being tested a day or the most we've had is 2,500, and then you look at location-wise where they're being tested, um, it's just it's not going to scale, and we need help, and we need to get ahead of it. How about in some of the more, uh, maybe not as remote, but St. George obviously isn't as remote as some other places, but what's going on in St. George and then in the areas where there isn't as many people in our state? Yeah, this is this is the problem. So you look at um, what what's been created is the ability to basically run a pop up testing center at the airport, run one in St. George, run one in these rural areas, and it's not that there's not testing in some of these areas, but you know as we've seen, people don't want to go to the ER, people people don't want to go to the hospital, people are fearful fearful or they're embarrassed that it's them, and. One of the things that we've seen is people can literally go online, whether, whether you have it or not, run through the assessment, um, and then it will give you a QR code that says, hey, go to this spot at this time, so then you're avoiding traffic, and it's all set up and organized in a very nice way. You can drive through. You don't have to leave your car, and it's free. And so that's, that's the other piece of this. And so... Um, you're hitting on all the right things. And um, look, it's early on, but, you know, I was on the phone with seven CEOs from, you know, all over the country yesterday who run pretty big organizations. And every single one of them was like, okay, how do we do that? How are we going to try to do this in California? How are we going to do this in Canada? Um, because they're seeing the need and what can we go ship and source so that we're not going to run out of supplies. And um, we're just trying to get ahead of it. And we have a chance to do that. Time's really important. But if you look at our lieutenant governor, the governor, um, from the second that Mark and the crew and Silicon Slopes and um, folks brought the idea, they said, yes, let's go. Um, You know, we've still got, you know, phenomenal testing resources through IHC, through University of Utah. But we just don't want to be in a point where, you know, we're, we're too far behind it because uh, it escalates quickly. And I think we've got a chance to do something special here in Utah. Ryan Smith joined in as Qualtrics, Five for the Fight, and the new TestUtah.com initiative. So for people who haven't been following us close because some people find it stressful and they just turn off the news, I think everybody reaches that yeah. point at some point. It's just how long it takes before you do that. Why is it so important to test people? And if you get a positive test, what has to happen next? Yeah, I think I think if you if you see similar to, you know, I think a great example that a lot of people have been following is all the LDS missionaries that are coming home. Um, you know, everyone can see, oh wow, yeah, we'd really like to get those folks tested 
so that we can know where to put them, what they should do. Um, and there's a lot of anxiety around not knowing um, who's got it. But basically, you can trace. And I'll just give you a personal example. Someone on my team um, you know, received or, was, or contracted COVID-19. And when that person told me they had contracted that, I went into a panic because we had been together um, two weeks before. But that person had to go through and retrace who they had been with and what's going on to exactly where they got it with their own family. And um, fortunately enough, it had been long enough that we had been together to, to let me know. But my thoughts initially went to, oh, wow, who are all the people that I've been in contact with in the family? And so by getting tested and understanding, unfortunately, this person has gotten better. But um, not knowing is the opposite of that. And it's going to be hard to, to really understand what's going on. Um, testing is one of the best things we can do. And in, in, as far as getting ahead of it, um, you know, getting data and hotspots and carriers and trying to understand you know, who's coming into the state. You're seeing the, uh, our, our governor um, you know, try to figure out how to, how to make sure that people just aren't coming into Utah and, and, you know, and spreading um, everything. You're seeing a panic around people coming back or from overseas. We just want to, you know, if you just take a step back, the quicker we can get through this, the quicker we all get back to work, we all get back on our feet, um, the quicker we can get out of this from an economic standpoint. The longer it takes, the longer and the bigger the damage is going to be done to our community, to our economic um, efforts, to, to unemployment, to our small to medium-sized businesses, our restaurants. And I think, I think people have lost track of that. And for that reason alone, everyone should try to get tested and isolate as much as they can because it's going to affect everyone. It's going to affect everyone's family, either from a health side or from an economic side. It's pretty easy to see that. I don't think people need to be math wizards to figure that out. Um, but the faster we get out of this, the faster we get back on our feet. And all prior epidemics, recessions show that. And the problem is, is if we just keep dragging this on, it's going to be longer before we can actually get back to normal. So this is why we just need to get tested. If you're feeling sick, isolate. We can trace it back like Korea and do our best job at trying to understand, hey, you know, we need to go and trace and figure out who, might, who else might have it and get ahead of it. And we're going to save a ton of lives because of it as well. How long does an actual test take? Well, this is the great part that we're seeing. Um, you know, when we first started, and I'll, I'll be honest, this gentleman who, who had contracted it, it took him five days to get his test results back. Um, you know, we're, we've probably got the fastest times in the states right now, in the state, between, you know, 24 and 48 hours, which is incredible. Um, you know, I was coming home from the, from the announcement yesterday at, at, at the Capitol and, you know, drove by Timpanogos, uh Hospital and seeing cars there. It was just like, you know, you watch them come in, have their code, scan it, and then 
take the swab, and then they were out. And that's, um, that's pretty good. I mean, I went and got my mother tested because she hadn't been feeling good. Um, we want to know. She had been with other family members, right? And there's no embarrassment. Just, just go and do it. Um, so we're, we're, we're just trying our hardest. I think everyone's doing it. Um, but I, I think the bigger point is you've got a community here in Utah with people who are willing to sacrifice and donate millions of dollars without getting anything out of it. And so watching these organizations come together and building the new supply chain that doesn't have failure and being able to get the equipment and to move quickly, working with our state, um, I've never seen anything like it before. Ryan Smith, Qualtrics, Five for the Fight, and the new TestUtah.com initiative. If somebody's listening right now and they think they can help with the supply chain, their company can provide some service, how would they get in touch with the TestUtah.com? Yeah, folks? just they can email Silicon Slopes or, um, you know, or TestUtah. Um, you know, anything they can, they can go there. Um, all, of it's, all of it's open, and this is an open source initiative um, from the test to the mass to um, swabs, to um, the assessment. Uh, it's, it's just really everyone saying, hey, how do we solve this piece of it? How do we solve this piece of it? And um, reality is in the private market, I think that people are able to do a lot more than um, and be a lot more nimble in, in areas than, than in other markets. So I think, uh, I think this is why this is happening, and it's happening quickly, and hopefully it continues. I mean, the numbers look great. Um, the numbers look like we're gonna we're gonna be able to scale scale this thing in remote areas, different locations, um, and uh, we're excited. Ryan, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it, and good luck with all the all work. Right, keep up the good work, guys. I, I'm I'm confident you're gonna find enough uh, content on your shows, and uh, there's plenty to talk about in sports. Let's get the NBA back as fast as we can. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. There's Ryan Smith from Qualtrics, and you can listen to the entire interview at 1280thezone.com. The entire show is there. Anything you miss coming up later today, anything you miss any time in any show, just log on to 1280thezone.com, and it's all there. Plus, wherever you get podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. David Locke, next, talking jazz basketball. Can the NBA restart it in Vegas? How would that work? What would that look like? We'll talk with David Locke next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. All right, DJ and PK, time to bring in David Locke right now, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Hey, PK, how are you? Great. I'm curious. Nice to chat with you. <laughs> I'm I'm curious now because you're in the ski community, and I know that the um, the resort shut down and the lifts stopped running. But is there still enough snow? Are there still the occasional uh, hardworking soul who will hike to the top of the mountain and then uh, ski down? There's always a few. Yeah, it's, course. it's actually the mountains. Uh, if you look at them, there's tracks everywhere. Um, my son and some of his friends have probably done some. You not? I don't think it's. Uh, 
the mountain. They're not um, policing it, but they've asked you not to climb the uh, mountains, the, you know, even though they're closed. Um, but I think that they're not they're not policing it really. Um, there, there isn't real danger to it if you don't know what you're doing, and if you go into steep areas and uh, the snow conditions aren't probably great. Um, but it's a good way to get outside and get some exercise. Well, so we're not going to do that. We're going to sit here and just contemplate when things are going to return. Are you hearing anything that you can amplify on this Vegas stuff? I'm not um, not anything more than what anyone's read. I haven't talked to anyone. Have any great insight on it? Um, you know, I think it from just uh, deducing logically to which is, I guess, what deduction is. Um, it's the only option. Uh, that's got any viability. Now, what level of viability I think is probably up for debate and probably uncertain at this point. Um, but I certainly have glommed onto it. It's, it's the glimmer of hope of how you can realistically kind of consider getting basketball back out. I do think, uh, Adam Silver's comments the other day to Rachel Nichols about, you know, having a role in society's recovery, um, I, I do think basketball's got the chance to do it first, uh, in the sense that you, you really can't just make two ice rinks in the middle of a hotel, um, and so you can't. I don't think the NHL can suddenly do what the NBA can do, which is do what the G League Showcase did, and head down to Mandalay Bay and turn two ballrooms into basketball courts and you know play eight games a day and, and suddenly get games in. Um, you know, certainly Major League Baseball can't do that. And the only equivalent Major League Baseball could probably try to do uh, would be, and you know this better than I do, PK, would probably be to send everybody to Arizona. But I don't think there's quite the hotel capability to keep everyone quarantined in the same way. And I don't think that there's enough fields for them to get 15 games off a day. Uh, maybe there are. That's what they would have to do. They, you know, baseball really plays every day. So maybe there's eight fields, and they could play two games a day on every field, and one day game and one night game, and they could get it done. Um, and so maybe that's a, a similar model for baseball. But I don't know about the cap- the housing capabilities. There's so many more people um, around baseball than there are around basketball. So I do feel like basketball has the chance to be the first to get going again, if if in fact it it comes together that way. So the theory being you just take over a whole hotel since there's so much space and so many hotels now, so, you don't even bus people? So, yeah, I've, I've talked to a few people about this just because I've, what I've just done, I didn't go to the G League Showcase. And so what the G League Showcase was, was it, it was at Mandalay Bay in Vegas, and they set up two courts. There were no fans. It was a scouted event only. They had two TV crews, um, two TV uh, set up so that the games were on YouTube and Facebook Watch and and NBA TV, um, and then they had the arena. They had the inside set so that you're you know it's just there. So you could do that. And I I don't know how many beds Mandalay Bay has, but I'm going to guess enough to probably house the entire grouping. Um, so you know that uh, you know. I, that's the way you would do it. They they had 30 teams down there, so they've kind of done it already. Uh, Mandalay Bay, uh, I was trying to find it, uh, convention center. So um, the Mandalay Bay, uh, I don't have it. Sorry, I was just trying to see how many hotel how many rooms are in the um, Mandalay Bay, and I, I just have what their convention center would hold. But 
Bay. Plus the Mandalay Bay, I think you don't even have to go outside. You can walk over right. to Lu- the Luxor. I think there's a, it's a, the big So you walkway. can connect. Yeah, you know Vegas by better than yeah. I do. So you can connect those two um, together. And then, but the, you know, then there's all sorts of problems, right? So, you know, it takes 100 people to put on a TV um, broadcast and then you've got all the other people and the officials and you just have a lot of people and you've got to quarantine them and how long are they willing to be quarantined and things like that. Mandalay Bay has 3,200 hotel rooms. Um, So you probably, with 3,200 hotel rooms, could I'm doing the math, could probably house the entire NBA. Well, I think everything changes to at that point. You know, people are like, well, then you'd have the media. And I'm like, well, I think you're down to three pool reporters. And you just do a press conference like the NCAA does with three or four pool reporters. And it's beamed out. There would be no local media. Channel 2 would never yeah, go I'm not to this. Sure. I'm not sure you'd even have that. I think uh, you might just uh, have, Zoom call- you have Zoom calls with your me- and after every game. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm just making it up. Yeah. But I don't think you do know that. Put the press conferences on on uh, satellite and on the on the web, and let everyone just grab it. And there you go. Yeah. I mean, you'd be it'd be a skeleton crew, and and so then you know, there's just a lot of questions. Do you play regulars? There's, it, but you know what's so fun about the questions is that there's actually this is there is a scenario here where so what, what we're talking about, you know, the point is that like you start to think about this and it's viable, right? So um, traveling to 30 teams traveling across the country is not viable. Um, Every city in the NBA being free of coronavirus to a level that it's safe to go in and out of those towns and the people want to go in and out of those towns is not viable. Um, You know, Toronto's already said June 30th, so you couldn't start anything until July 1. Um, Having entire traveling parties in and out of everywhere the way we regularly do is probably not viable right now. So what is you know, what is nice about this Vegas scenario is that you can kind of glom onto it as a possibility. Now, you know, there's a million things that are difficult about it as well and how, how it's going to be done. But it is, you can see the framework by which you can start to put it together and try to have basketball at some point. Do you think you can do anything in Arizona, PK, for baseball? Well, they certainly have enough fields with all the spring training complexes. I mean, the, you know, there's... They all have stadiums, and plus they've all got backfields. To what level do they do it as far as all that other stuff that you're talking about, the traveling parties? And, you know, they couldn't be all centrally located. I mean, spring training now, uh, as far as what they've got, uh, Arizona versus Florida, what I've heard is that people prefer prefer the Phoenix situation because it, the the most you're going to do is an hour bus ride as in Florida it's spread out all over the state it used to be in the old days that they would have some down in Huma and the Palm Springs and whatnot well that's all now and down in Tucson that's all centralized in the Phoenix Valley area but it is spread out so I don't know that you can do that to the degree it seems like with basketball that would be much easier to accomplish if that's what they decide to do. But who knows with the baseball situation because it's a much bigger situation and obviously they don't have hotels and you couldn't house everybody in one place. I don't think they have that capability the way they do in Vegas. Vegas is the obvious choice for obvious reasons. We all understand that. So I don't know that they can do it to the level that they're going to do it in basketball. 
they'd also have to have a different TV crew for every field. So if they're using eight fields and playing two games a day on every field, that you know increases that whole element of you know by six times, you know four times more people than baseball. And right. And the other thing on you know I I would suspect that if you go do you do anything like this, you're really expecting the players to be quarantined and then. You know, are they not allowed to have family around? Like, well, I don't. I would. I would suspect there's all sorts of new crazy rules. But who knows? We're not. You know, we're not there yet. And you know, let's realize also that every report we have is that the country's about to go through, you know, three or four weeks of the worst of this. That we're nowhere near. And if you, particularly if you're following some of the numbers in the south and and those areas um, that haven't necessarily, you know shelter in place yet that there's still going to be an enormous spike across this country and we're not totally immobile yet so it still can spread you know back and forth from places that have had outbreaks and then have a secondary outbreak we we could still be you know i think this conversation feels in utah feels okay right now because our state seems to be doing and particularly in salt lake and summit county a particularly good job of, of curtailing this um, and now, you know, that's that's one thing. But if you're holding this conversation in New York right now or in New Orleans or in Detroit, I think, or Miami, I think it'd feel really silly. Um, and I think we're going to have more of that over the next two and a half weeks, three weeks from every indication and every, frankly, paper that was written before this all started kind of said exactly that. So um, it might be a conversation that feels less viable in three weeks than it does right now, unfortunately. And I think to take that point and go even further is that what will really matter is what does it look like in Vegas? Because if most of the country it's going pretty well, but it's going poorly in Vegas, then it's not a good idea for Vegas. And if most of the country, you know, is a mixed bag, but Vegas is in great shape, then maybe it's a little more doable. So I think the NBA is probably going to be... uh, probably analyzing that for you know multiple markets, but if Vegas is the one you're going to, you really got to focus on what's going on in Southern Nevada. My feeling on what happened in Vegas, Vegas shut down pretty quickly, right? I mean, Vegas really could have been a disaster. It feels as though that they shut it down fairly quickly. I haven't followed what the news is there recently, but I, I do recall them. You know, we we in Summit County had a similar circumstance, I and mean, we had. And if you looked at Andy Larson, had that story in the Salt Lake Tribune about the, the 10 counties that had the highest per capita cases, they were four New York counties, Mardi Gras, and four ski towns. And those were the, you know, so it was Aspen Vale, Breckenridge, and, and Summit County, Park City. Um, you know, the credit of the people here at Summit County, they jumped, holy smokes, they shut this place down in about four hours. Um, and. You know, I think we're going to be really thankful that they did because with the amount of transient people and also I think the amount of people that were leaving their their hotbed locations to try to come here to get away from it, that they kind of asked not to do it, um, I think was pretty important. So, you know, I felt like Vegas was on the, on that line of acting pretty quickly. Well, I have some folks in Vegas uh, that I know and visit uh, quite often for some other reasons. And uh, a woman was telling me that uh, she travels across town for work. And what took 45 minutes now takes about 10 minutes to get to work. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about the Vegas shutdown. There's been no question about that, that that has happened. My, my thought for you is that... You know, we've been talking with the colleges and how some of this stuff, and we had Chris Hill on, he came in studio last week or the week before, whenever it was, and that there could be some real 
serious reform in college athletics and the idea of doing all this stuff that is extravagant turns out with the availability of, of uh, communications and technology that maybe you can recruit a little bit differently. And so there's areas and uh, ways that you can improve to save some money and not reduce the product. Do you think any of that stuff, I don't know what it might be, but do you think any of it can come through the NBA, come from it for the NBA, that maybe they can do stuff a little bit differently and still be as effective? Interesting question. Um... I don't know. I don't. Well, I would say this: if they can pull off this Vegas thing, it's also the framework of a pretty neat something else at some point during the season, right? Yeah, the NBA Super Bowl week that happens instead of the All Star Game, and maybe all teams go down for a you know single elimination tournament, or I don't know something something of a different ilk. Um, but if if they prove that they can. Do this isn't probably exactly what you're talking about, but they prove they can suddenly put 30 teams in the NBA and pull off. Now there's, you know, and then you'd have to you're doing it without fans. So, but that might be fine, frankly, if that that turns out to be something that's um, acceptable for that kind of model of an event. Um, you know, that, that might be a really neat thing that they pull off. Um, from a scouting standpoint, uh, I guess Zoom conferences, like you're talking about, seem differently than recruiting. Um, from uh you know, I, I, I don't I you know, I think coach touch and uh coach interaction is pretty important on player development, so I'm not sure what happens there. Um the one I, I maybe I'm reading this guy's differently than you are on the college part. There was an article in Axios today. And the amount of college they interviewed like a hundred college athletic directors and the amount that were like, Oh, we have the financial reserves to handle this, I was like, What? Like, I don't want them all to go bankrupt, but, like, when they're talking about, like, yeah, we got the financial reserves, how much money do they have stockpiled? It depends on the school. Uh, we were talking with Chris Hill, and he said Nebraska was sitting on $100 million that they could get through this. But at the same time, UCLA and Cal... Can I ask a question? UCLA and Cal... Hold on. UCLA and Cal no, no, have an I, enormous I, amount of debt. This is what I debt. want. I want this answer from every AD right now. If you've got $100 million stockpiled, why in gosh darn's name are you taking student fees? Well, I don't know that Nevada is. I mean, some schools are. A lot of schools are. I went to a Big West school. I think the Big West schools all are. But the schools that have the stockpile money are schools that are playing big-time football. I don't think group of five schools I – I haven't seen what you've seen, so maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think group of five schools have a big stockpile of money. And, and I think only some of the Power Five do. Um, I'll send you what I read today. It was on Axios' kind of morning email about um, – sports email um and i it was interesting i mean i I was stunned i mean are you stunned that florida and bama and texas ohio state and michigan and nebraska might be sitting on a i was stunned that a hundred out of a hundred ad's that they seemed as and it was just a survey and you're just getting their answers to it but it just struck me that like I, i mean yeah, I mean, just even the kind of just—I thought it was really revealing. Like, um, I'm trying to think of an answer that they gave, but there was something about you know, um, 41% of Power Five AD said they have financial reserve in place to be used for this type of crisis. 
Right. But 41%? Of, of For the, this type of crisis? Of the 60, uh, I don't know what, 64, 66 Power 5 schools, whatever it is. So, yeah, you are talking about the richest 25 schools. And 26 well, of the group 580. So you're, on your number, 26 of the group 580s. But this is like, and maybe they haven't really felt it yet in the sense that they haven't lost a football season, and so they think they're Well, they haven't. Fine. That's the big deal. They haven't lost a football season. There isn't, the only crisis right now is the loss of the NCAA tournament. And actually, with the cancellation of the spring sports, they're going to save money because very few spring sports make any money. They just actually just drain money. So they're saving money there. Go back and revisit that if we decide that there's not going to be, not we, but they decide there's not going to be a college football season, then all that stuff will change. But right now, I can see where they're coming from because they just had the cancellation of the NCAA tournament. And it's offset by saving some money from the spring sports. But if they lose football, then they're in a world of hurt. I think that would be true locally at the U because uh, when the economy crashed a decade ago, Chris Hill, I remember Chris Hill said, we have a rainy day fund and we have determined that it is raining and we're going to use it. And Mark Harlan referenced the rainy day fund, but he also referenced... Um, what an impact the absence of football would have. So you got a rainy day fund, and that'll get you through some stuff, but I've read that 80% of the TV contract, of every conference's TV contract, is football money, and 20% is men's basketball and whatever else. But 80% is football, so that kind of hit, you better have a heck of a rainy day fund. And, and I suspect that there are a handful of high-end schools that do, but only a handful. They're the minority. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I'll send it, I'll send it both. I just sent both to you. Um, I know. That was interesting. I mean, they also, the other one I thought was interesting is that they, um, a vast majority of them said that they expected revenues to drop 20%, which seemed to me to be kind of, like, I'm surprised that it was not 100%. Um, and then the following was that, you know, after 20, 63% of them said that it would drop 20%, you know, about half of them said, oh, but we're fine. Like, Whoa. So the 20%, I think, is donors who had money on Wall Street or in their business or whatever and can't give, and people who are buying season tickets, and because of what's happened with the economy, are going to say, well, that's the first thing I have to cut. I can't buy the season tickets now. So I think that's the 20%. I think if football goes away, then the number's way more than a 20% loss. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I thought it was really interesting. They, they asked him at one point the most at-risk revenue streams, and so the lists were the donors, conference distribution, NCAA distribution, sponsorships, and student fees. Um, I, I would have probably put it in the opposite order that they did. What so if, I thought that was interesting. Why don't you tweet the link to that story out, because I'm sure some of the listeners want to read it, too. So put that yeah. out on uh, social media, and uh, then everybody can see it. I don't know. If, so if people don't know, my Twitter account's at Sports. There it is. There you go. David, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. See you guys. There's David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. When we come back, Riley Jensen talking college football, and he's also a mental performance coach, works with the Jazz and Weber State with some tips on how we can all stay a little, uh, you know, decrease our anxiety and our tension level, our stress level a little bit, and just be a little happier and a little healthier. Riley's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Riley Jensen, college football expert, and he's a mental performance coach. He runs RileyJensenConsulting.com, works with a lot of local teams, does a lot of work at Weber State. Riley, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing today? This leaves, this leaves the high school camps off your resume. This is a, just a partial resume for you, Riley, not to mention your history <laughs> in sports radio, both in sales and programming. Holy cow, who wrote this? Yeah, um, man, thank you. Thank you, DJ. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. I want to start with football. Uh, DraftKings says the Utes are going to win eight games. Do you take the over or the under? PK and I were both disappointed that they didn't go with 7.5 or 8.5 because you don't want to sit on the fence. We both felt like eight was the number. But then we went different directions on over or under. Uh, what do you think when you hear the Utes' eight wins? It feels that that feels like a little bit of a stretch, um, just because w- with all the players that they're losing, both defensively and offensively. I mean, you look at, at the quarterback position and the running back position; those were those were really, really key contributors to the offense. And then defensively, there's just just a whole boatload of guys that were really good for the Utes. But what we've seen, and there was a few years back where I think they put 10 guys in the NFL, and they still played really, really good football the next year. I can't remember how many wins they had. But I think what gives me a little bit of hope that they can get to eight wins is Andy Ludwig. I liked the way the offense was designed last year. I liked the way um, that, that it was executed. He understood who his players were and what they could do, and he put them in situations to be able to win. I I personally think, and this is not this is not a cut against Tyler Huntley because I think he had an amazing year for 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 the Utes, but there were there were times and there were key situations last year where he missed some throws, and as high as his percentage was, I know that even he is like, oh my gosh, how did I miss that throw? How did I how did how did that not happen? And is and is and and listen, he played amazing. I thought he played amazing football, but I think. There's going to be some guys that are just a little bit more naturally accurate in the passing game. They're going to be able to keep the chains moving in certain situations. And, and so for me, I think, and, and I've said this to you guys before on the radio, I think an, off, uh, uh, an offensive coordinator, a good offensive coordinator can be a plus one for a team. A really good offensive coordinator can be a plus two. And I, and I think it works the opposite way. So I think an offensive coordinator is a plus or minus two. And I think the reason why they get to eight wins is because I think Andy Ludwig's that good. And so I think with him being a plus two offensive coordinator, in my opinion, that that gets them to eight wins. So what would be your plus minus ratings on DJ and PK? <laughs> my plus minus on you guys? I mean, look, I mean, we're talking about, what are we, 13 years now, 14 years now together? Uh, well, I mean, actually, I, I, I actually. Think, Actually, we're coming up on our 18th anniversary here. Oh, my gosh, dude. I knew it felt like an eternity. (laughs) (laughs) I'm legal now, man. I can be held accountable for what I say. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I I would say plus minus with you guys. If if you're on my team, I'm saying you guys are plus minus five. Easy. I'm going with plus five with you guys. Come on. 
Come on, you guys you guys make the people around you better. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We gotta have you on more often. <laughs> How do you think I got married? I know I know how to tell people what they need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Nice. Very nice. So this is a universal in terms of everybody being uh, shortchanged on spring ball and off-season workouts. So we'll see how far it goes. But obviously it's right now. So everyone is under the same set of circumstances. But some teams are being hit harder than others. We've spoken with the coaches, Kyle and Morgan in Utah, for instance. You know, last year their defense was all set. And so they didn't have any many questions. Uh, this year they got new quarterbacks and whatnot. But how do you think, generally speaking, the loss of spring practice is going to affect these teams, and in particular the teams that we have in the state? I mean, I I think I think that spring ball is a little bit overrated in the sense that. I mean, coaches know who their players are. They they know who their guys are, and especially teams that have been to bowl games. I mean, half of the bowl game practices are healing up all of your starters and finding out who your young guys are and how they progress during the season. So, so teams that have been to bowl games, they've had those extra practices and they've had a chance to look at who they, they know who their guys are. I think I think the concern or what you worry about when you're a uh, when you're a coach right now is and as much as we like to think that college football players are all super disciplined and and really really good about doing what they're supposed to do without the structure that they have right now you worry about the guy that comes back from this break and a lot of them have gone home because they're taking their classes online he comes back 20 pounds overweight and it's june and you only have two months to get him into shape you know and all of that time could have been spent getting him into really good shape, and those two months could have been used to get him into, you know, into into top condition and into top peak position to to play well for you. So I think I think that's where you worry a little bit more is is the leadership of the team and the ability to have that self control and that discipline to be able to do what it takes to win college football games, and the coaches that are able to, you know portray that image or portray that message through their own channels, whether, whether it be email, whether it be their huddle groups, whether, whatever it is, are, are going to be the coaches and the teams that play well this fall. Now, I will say this. Once you get five games into the season, everybody's in shape. And so, I mean, you look at, you look at different people, and some people play real well at the first of the year. Some people really peak like midway through the season. That's because – by the time you get midway through the season, every team is in shape. There's no way you can't be in shape and play college football by midseason. And so um, we'll see. This is, this is all new stuff for everybody, right? And I think there's a, there's a lot of anxiety for coaches. I mean, I don't envy coaches. They work with, you know, here in the state of Utah, they work with 18 to 23, 18 to 24-year-olds, and their livelihood depends upon it, right? <laughs> I mean, of course there's anxiety for those guys. But I think – these coaches are good. A lot of them have a ton of experience. I mean, you look around the state now, all of them have years and years and years of experience. These guys are going to be able to weather this storm. And I don't see any team being hit harder or, or, or hit worse than another team as far as this situation goes. 
Riley Jensen joining us, college football expert. He's a mental performance coach, works with Weber State and some other local teams, high school as well as colleges and that, RileyJensenConsulting.com. Uh, David Locke just posted a story from Axios, which is a survey. They've got a survey of over 100 athletic directors at FBS schools. And uh, their big concerns right now, 89% says their top concern is uh, academic progress among student-athletes over the next three months when everybody's learning online from home. Okay, so we get that, right? They don't have the structure around them. The next thing, 74% of them are worried about the mental health of their athletes. And I assume that what athletes are going through, there's a lot of overlap with just what our general listenership is going through. So... uh, a quick tip or two, if that's possible, to keep people healthy and happy and wise and all that stuff. Yeah, so um, there's, there's no question there's a lot of different scenarios going on out there. And, you know, I, it's, it's, it's really easy um, to, get, to get down or to be going in the wrong direction here. And I'm, you know, starting, starting this Monday, I'm doing like a mindfulness Monday with the Weber State athletic staff and all the players there. I do a mindfulness Monday with the Utah Jazz organization right now. I'm doing it with other companies and different people, but I, I think there's, there's three small tips that we can, that we can do. And if you want, you, you can go to my, um, you can go to my podcast. I'm, I'm, pushing these out on my podcast for free right now, but Mindset Matters by Riley Jensen. I'm doing a 12-part series on anxiety and stress reduction, and you can go there for free, but here's here's the three things that I think are important right now. Number one, are you being intentional with what you do, meaning whether it's social media, whether it's any of your media intake, whether it's DJ and PK, (laughs) whether whether it's MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, whether it's um, Facebook, whether it's Instagram, be intentional about what you're going to do. It's, this is a good idea even in just normal times. But right now, this is not the time to go and just go, oh, I wonder what's going on on Facebook right now. Give yourself parameters. Give yourself a chance to say, okay, I'm going to go on Facebook from 9 to 9.45 this morning, and I'm going to get all the memes and all the funny things out of the way, and I'm going to feel good about that. And then maybe I'll circle back at 4 o'clock for another 45 minutes. Just being intentional about what you're doing. You can't get yourself down a rabbit hole of negativity. And, and, and it's, not that, it's not that some of these things are purposely put out to be negative. Some of these are very real right now. But you only have so much bandwidth, and you've only got so much um, ability to handle some of the news that's going on. So be intentional about how much media you're going to consume, and then go take a walk. Go be with your family and go be where your feet are. In other words, just be present with your family and, and do the things that you need to do. The second part that I would say is a natural anxiety or stress reduction tool that is really great is we've all been hit and all of our routines are different right now. But one of the, one of the things that we can do, and, and just like with me this morning, I got up, I do my normal routine, I get through some of the four or five things that I consider non-negotiables. I took a shower, I get ready for the day. Normally I'm out the door and I'm going to work with somebody, either Weber State or Utah Jazz Organization or Clyde Companies down in Orem. But I'm not doing that now. I'm going on the internet. But I got up, I did my morning routine, I won the morning, and then my schedule changes a little bit during the day. And there's opportunities to to get yourself better during that time. And then I think the other thing is, is controlling your routine at night, keeping your routine the same with your kids, keeping the routine the same with yourself, 
those are natural, they're natural anxiety reducers. And we, we have to remember that it's probably true that everything is going to be different after this. But, but instead of thinking of different as bad, different is just different. And it can be good. It can be really good. And so just, you know, as you're, as you're going through your morning routines, as you're being more intentional in what you do, and when you realize that things are going to be different after this, just remember that it doesn't always mean that it's bad. Different can be good. And I think we'll learn from this and we'll grow from this. And there can be a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good lessons that can be learned. And I think when, when we're going through our routines and when we're doing things and when we're changing and growing and progressing, this is a real opportunity for us to change some of our habits in the mornings, change some of our habits at night. And, and it gives us a, an opportunity to, to really build upon ourselves. And then the last thing that I would say that's a psychological tool that's really, really been helpful to people is just what I call the five, four, three, two, one rule. Um, and it's, it's called a grounding technique in psychology. And all you, all you basically do is when your mind starts racing, when you start feeling a lot of stress, when you start um, feeling a little bit overwhelmed, is you replace some of those negative or anxious thoughts with what I call neutral or productive thoughts. And what, what it is is five things that you can see. You just look around outside. What are five things that you can see right now, right? The next part is, what are four things that I can touch? So it could be that your shirt's touching your shoulder, you can touch your face, you can touch your radio. Well, actually, you probably shouldn't touch your face right now, right? Take it back. Um, yeah, I take it back. But something that you can touch. Uh, then three things that you can hear. So you just listen for three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and then one thing that you can taste. And that grounding technique, what it does is, is the science and the research shows that at any one time, we can only have one thought in our minds. And so that helps kind of replace the negativity or the anxious thoughts that you're having with what I call neutral or productive thoughts. And then it starts to become really advantageous because now you're not having those anxious or neutral or those negative thoughts. And it just becomes a nice tool. So those would be the three techniques right now that kind of stand out to me that have been helpful to people, controlling your routine, being intentional in what you do, and using that grounding technique. And the grounding technique, after you do the five, four, three, two, one, you just follow it with a deep diaphragmatic breath, four seconds in through the nose, six seconds out through the mouth, and then just kind of move forward with your life and see if you don't feel just a little bit better. You can find a lot of these tips, like I said, on my podcast. There's other podcasts out there like Justin Sua. Um, it's called Increase Your Impact. They're quick. They're five minutes. You can get some anxiety reduction in, and then you can move on with your day. But there's, there's all kinds of tools out there. If, if you want to go to my website, you want to reach out to me, if, if your company wants some of the access to some of these things, I certainly am happy to help at, at RileyJensenConsulting.com. Man, I feel like a million bucks right now. You did. You took a little deep breath, didn't you? you, you know, I did, all yeah. All be okay. I smelled something. I'm going to taste something. Okay, the thing I smelled wasn't very good, but, you know, beside that. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but you traded that thought, even if it's bad, right? Even if even a DJ smells really, really bad, it, it changes your thoughts <laughs> and thinking about all of the, the skies falling, right? We're, we're social distancing now. He has no idea. He hasn't been in studio since all of this broke. He's remote. I'm in studio. Oh. Yach's in his own room. I don't go in Yach's producer studio. He doesn't come in here. He actually leaves those headlines when you're in. You see the headlines. He leaves them out on the table outside, and I grab them when I walk in. 
So other people have to deal with my body odor, but not PK. He's he's good to go. You guys are controlling what you can control. I think the cool thing about that is I had no idea that you were doing that, that you were remote. So that, that just shows how good you guys really are. 18 years we share a sports talk radio brain so we can pull it off. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And we do control the controllables. I've told Kyle Whittingham that so many times. Control the controllables, Kyle. I think he's starting to get it. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, a lot of people use that. I, I think I think the, the key is to know what the controllables are. <laughs> you know, I've heard a lot of people say that, but do you know what the controllables are? That's the key. Well, the thing that I find interesting here is that you're talking about stuff winning the morning and the control, the controllable, all that stuff, winning the morning about the routine. Well, one of the strengths that I've been able to notice being around Utah's program to the extent I'm not on the inside, but being around it, I've noticed, and clearly it just screams at you as far as the routine. I don't know that I've ever been around a coach who is more set in this is the way that we're going to do things. And I have been around some coaches who change things, and the results are disastrous. And I think if you commit to going to the Utah football program, you are saying to yourself, okay, this is what I'm going to be. I'm going to be regimented. And with that in mind, Kyle has a routine every single day, and it doesn't vary, and everybody knows it. And I think that's been part of the reason that he's been successful. I don't, I don't think there's any question. I think you're, you're spot on. I think from the psychological view of that, I mean, the three enemies of confidence and performance are unrealistic expectations, right, perfectionism, and comparison. But one of, one of, the, one of the friends to success in those sorts of things is expectations that are manageable and reasonable. And I think if you look at Kyle Whittingham over the years, Love him, hate him, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say about the program. The one thing you cannot be critical of is that the expectations are very clear when you come into that program. People know what is expected of them. They know what the routine is. And as human beings, the science and the research shows we need routine to lower our anxiety. And when our anxiety goes down, our confidence and our performance goes up. And so, Kyle's been a master of it. Um, I think. I actually think the Bronco Mendenhall was really good at that. You may not have liked his presentation. You may not have liked the way that he talked about it, but he was really, really good. The players that played for Bronco Mendenhall and the players that are playing for him at Virginia right now, they know exactly what's expected of them, and they know exactly what they have to do to be able to be on the field and perform at their highest level. So I I think that's what great coaches do. I think great coaches, I mean, I could sit down with any coach around the country and I could have a blast for two or three hours just talking X and O's and and saying, hey, what if you do this and what if you do that? And they all know the right answers. But the coaches that separate are the ones that have a great culture, and I think that's what you're talking about with Kyle a little bit, is the culture there is that there's an expectation when you come into the program on how to act, on how to play, and be. And I I think that's a real compliment to them and their program. You know, I think the other person you add on that is uh, Jerry Sloan. He was big into routine. Do the same thing, nap at the same time, eat at the same time, substitute John Stockton out at the same time. I mean, there's, and I'm sure there's more than that, but those are the ones we know that he would talk about and that that routine, you just didn't blow a lot of energy and spend a lot of energy on thinking about stuff. You just got into routine and you just automatically did it and conserve energy. Again, you're not using up bandwidth on decisions, right? You're, you're, You're able to just use 
you know, like, hey, this is the way that we do it. I think what, what athletes and what teams and what coaches get in trouble with with routine is you have to be careful not to turn it into a ritual or a superstition, right? And the, the thing about a routine is that it's flexible and it's adaptable. Um, uh, a ritual or a superstition starts to control you, but you're the one who's in control of the routine. And so that's, that's the only thing that gets scary with coaches and players sometimes is that that routine all of a sudden becomes like the ritual. And, you know, I, I, you think about the ritual on major back in the day when, you know, when, when the baseball player has to have his little voodoo doll, you know, in his locker and everything or else he can't play well. Well, that's just not true, right? And so, so no question we need routine. We don't need superstition or ritual, <laughs> if that makes sense. Riley, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for talking a little football and a little uh, mental health here. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. Thanks for having me on. Love you guys. You guys are doing great things for all of us. We get to have a little bit of a, a snack every day instead of worrying about all the craziness that's going on. There's Riley Jensen, our college football expert and mental performance coach. You can reach him at RileyJensenConsulting.com if you want him to work with uh, you know, your staff, your team, your company, whatever, your clients. Uh, there's Riley. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.